The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Good morning and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I am Chris Yao. I am joined, as always, by my friend and partner, Maurice Patton. Collectively, we are behind the local sports website, sm-tnsports.com. Mo, good morning. Good morning. Do we need to clarify, partner? I mean... I think we're good. Okay. You All are right my then. partner here in crime. I can All tell right you that. Then. All right, cool. Just making sure. Mo, I, it's hey, a, hey, before we go any further, sure. yesterday was the fifth anniversary of your 29th birthday. How did you celebrate? You sent me a picture of the, the fine meal that your partner, yes. Sarah, prepared for you yesterday. Man, let me tell you. There are certain things in this world that I don't get very often, and that is Sarah in a kitchen. <laughs> and But when I do get her to sit in the kitchen and, and prepare a meal, it is usually as good as anything I've ever had. And she fried up some pork chops for us. So good. We made mashed potatoes where i actually had to boil the potatoes you know you don't get them from a bag not when it's your birthday you get real potatoes you have to why would you not exactly so man it it was fantastic she even went to cheesecake factory and got me a piece of red velvet cheesecake it was really nice wow i know so thank you sarah for cooking on my birthday as you do every year she typically always fries something. If she's in the kitchen, she's frying something. Well, she's a southern girl. And she learned from her great grandma or from her grandmother, and that's what you that, that's how you do it. I mean, if if you're going to if you're going to make something special, it, it needs to be fried. I'm just saying that that's that's a personal opinion, but I don't disagree. Absolutely not. It's a it was a good day. So, thanks for everyone who made that a special occasion, especially here at WKOM for giving me a radio show for on my your birthday. birthday. There you go. <laughs> Clayton, you were you were a, a big part of that. We appreciate the the help on uh, on getting us there. No, no, I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm super excited. You guys are here. I think I thought yesterday's show was fantastic, and it's only going to get better from from here on out. There's no doubt. Oh, no question. And speaking of sm-tnsports.com, had a breaking news story yesterday right at lunch we're sitting in uh <laughs> sitting in the, the dining room over at a local eatery and get a phone call and of course well, back up because we're sitting at the local diner dining room at the local eatery considering one breaking story 
Yeah, yeah, we have we have one breaking story. Oh, just kidding. That one just took a back seat. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> because Columbia Academy's entire football program uh, has been shut down for two weeks at this point due to a positive COVID-19 test of head coach Charlie Lansdale. Yeah, um, obviously a tough situation for Coach Lansdale. Missed um, the Davidson Academy game two weeks ago. He was in quarantine due to contact test uh, tracing. Came back, had a couple of negative tests, coached Friday night in the 21-6 loss up at Nashville Christian during which Franklin Walker tore the ACL in his left knee and is out for the season and was the original breaking story that we were considering at lunch before news of this came down. And so, um, again, Coach Lansdale, quarantine, contact testing, came back, coached, had had two negative tests. Yesterday morning gets a test back that is positive and is, as we are sitting at lunch, being admitted to the hospital. Right. It was it was a quick turnaround there, and we weren't expecting the positive test from Coach Lansdale. That being said, because, one, he was on the sideline Friday night, that being said, he did wear a gator mask on the sideline. So hopefully that will mitigate some of the passing it on to his players and in two weeks they'll be able to return at the same time athletics director pernell knox who is a certified athletic trainer felt like it was in the best interest of everybody involved to just shut things down for the next two weeks for the football team so as a result they will miss friday's game which is a um, division two a west region game at home against University School of Jackson, and they will miss their following weeks, October 2nd's um, region game at Jackson Christian. So they hope to be back in time for a October 9th game at Trinity Christian. And that's a really big issue for this team because after starting last season 0-5, the Jackson Christian game was the game where they – ended up making their run going 5-0 and at the end of the season. So losing that game potentially takes a win off your schedule. Especially when they're 0-4 overall and 0-2 in region play to start with. You know, they Coach Lansdale, I remember speaking to him last year after this USJ game, and this is a USJ team that eventually played for a state championship. Right. They advanced to the finals before they lost to Davidson. Don't remember that score. But the game was closer than the score indicated. He really felt like they began to establish a run game in that game in particular, and they took the momentum out of their performance in that game. And like you said, went on a five-game winning streak and then won their opening round playoff game before um, going over to Friendship Christian and losing in the second round. So that was this this point of the season was really when things started to turn for them and so to have this come up now isn't the greatest timing for the Bulldogs not at all and speaking of Franklin Walker and establishing that run game without him now it makes that even more difficult as he has ran for 205 yards on 47 carries this year an average of 4.4 yards a carry 
Uh, he's among the, le- the the leaders in the area in stats, and you can see those leaders on the website. In that story, we have local passing leaders, rushing leaders, and receiving leaders, and we want to go over those a little bit as well. Now, as of two weeks ago, Destin Wade was leading both passing and rushing yards in the area. Mm-hmm. He... Still leads rushing, but after, I think it was last week's game, Jackson Campbell over at Independence uh, took over the passing leader, and Campbell has been fantastic all year, but as has Destin Wade and many others. Here's what's unique, and I'm not sure if it makes a difference because, unfortunately, we don't have the Fayetteville stats from Zion Christian, which kind of puts Luke Perko in a bit of a we're not sure where he really stands because we're, we're cur- not sure. yeah currently I'm, he sits number 2 in the in rushing yards and and you know I'm not sure how how strong a game he had against Fayetteville but like you said he's he's got 452 rushing yards through four games we don't have that fifth game against Fayetteville but in again as we've spoken on previous podcasts you know, the question about Zion, particularly from an offensive standpoint, was how were they going to respond without four-year quarterback Mark Lowry? Well, Luke Perko hasn't been Mark Lowry, but he certainly has not been bad. No, it, it he gives you a little bit different option. Like we said, he's sitting at number two in the area in rushing yards, something that Lowry didn't necessarily – give you as a quarterback i think it's something that he was capable of he just really didn't have to just because he could sit back there and pick you apart from the pocket mark moved more to buy time than he did to gain yards i think more aaron Rodgers style than say cam newton that's good that's good i I mean Rodgers has the ability oh sure he just doesn't want to cross the line of scrimmage because he knows the ball travels much faster through the air than than his arms. And with his feet, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, why um why expose yourself if you don't have to? But again, Perko. Well, play- he's a linebacker, so. exactly. <laughs> so he he kind of relishes that kind of thing, I believe. I mean, um, had a fifty yard interception return for a touchdown in the in um the Lakeway Christian win on Friday. So. You know, this is a guy that doesn't mind contact, and and that 452 yards and four touchdowns kind of reflects that. Can we just talk about this real quick? Mm Because I think this is unique, especially to our coverage area. The top three in rushing yards (laughs) are quarterbacks. (coughs) There you go. Sorry about that. I I got you choked up over there. You did. You did. I, I. you know, I'm the one that puts this together from week to week, and I hadn't even picked up on that. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty impressive. And Destin Wade has 579 yards on 61 carries, by far the leader in the clubhouse, uh, with above Perko, who has 452 yards reported Plus, to us. Yeah, um, and then Jackson Campbell has 409 in four games. So it's pretty impressive to watch these dual threat quarterbacks at the high school level yeah it's a lot of fun to watch those guys um and i think that obviously the second half of the season their play is going to really dictate how their their team seasons go the rest of the way obviously um 
we're familiar with Destin Wade and what he was capable of last year as a sophomore, and he has really kind of expanded his game, I think, this year. Well, I mean, he was an all-state performer as a wide receiver. No, you're talking about Jackson. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But The other South Williamson County kid. They're both – Destin was definitely run first Mm -hmm. at the beginning of last year. He gained a lot of confidence. And when you gain confidence as a quarterback, especially as a young quarterback, because he is just a junior, we're talking about he he was a sophomore and a, a young sophomore mm-hmm. in in the beginning of last season. He really grew up. Obviously, when you play 15 games, you get a chance to do that a little bit faster than maybe some others. But this is a this is a kid that we saw stand in the pocket and make Big time throws in a high school football game. You saw it on Saturday against on that Saturday game against Spring Hill, mm-hmm. where he just sat there and picked apart the defense. And he has that ability because one, he's big, he's got the stature, he can see the field as well as anyone. And that goes to show that that goes back to being a very good basketball player. The way he sees the field and sees athletic fields in general is really impressive kids got great vision i think the biggest thing as big as the confidence that he's getting in himself is the confidence that that coaching staff has shown in him i mean you you're talking about a coach in brian coleman who you think was woody hayes's son with the three yards in a cloud of dust approach that he had taken offensively predestined wade um but um he has he has fully adapted to Destin's abilities and and doesn't mind actually throwing the ball around and they've got some great receivers as well so I just think that the confidence that they've shown and being willing to almost completely flip their offensive scheme and they have and and it's and it's worked well obviously I mean went to a state championship game so there's that <laughs> so in general. If you want to see who is leading the area in rushing, passing, receiving yards, you can visit the website. There is a a list of several names there. Just want to give a shout-out to Austin Stills for being the top non-quarterback in the (laughs) rushing yards. (laughs) But Austin's also thrown for a touchdown. He's also thrown for a touchdown, and he's only played three games. Yeah. So that's a big difference, too. Yeah, um, and Richland's... Richland's return won't be an easy one. We'll talk more about that later this week. Mm. But um, they they are scheduled to get back on the field this week after a two-week um, COVID-related layoff. So should be interesting for the Raiders. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for a lot of teams this week. And when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about Williamson County football with our friend Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald. So stay tuned on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee, Bone & Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com.
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. This is segment number two, 25 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock. Here on Tuesday morning, it is a beautiful day outside. I don't know if you guys have been outside, but, I mean, obviously you had to walk in here. But it is a cool and crisp morning, but this is the kind of, and it's the first day of fall, and it feels like the first day of fall, and that doesn't always happen in the South. <laughs> it does not always happen in the south and i think it's supposed to heat back up again later in the week so don't get too used to it i know man i love this weather it's fantastic i don't like being cold uh, well you can always put so you can always put more clothes on you can only take so many off before uh, you go to jail <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying that's, there is that's, that there, that's, that's what i live by anyway in the second segment of this show on Tuesday, we are going to talk this morning with Mr. Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald, and he covers all things high school sports in Williamson County. No, no. Well, he covers a lot of things, well, actually. Clearly, clearly, you don't know this guy because you threw a mister on the front. <laughs> He's, um, let's say it's a, uh, it's a respect thing because I'm only 29. Plus five. Plus five. There we go. <laughs> anyway, Joe, welcome good in. Morning. Good I'm morning. Pick- good morning. Good morning, sir. You just now waking up or what? Uh, no, one of my one of my other tasks kept me up till one and back at it at five, and I still hate islands. So one of your <laughs> one of your many tasks, the multitasking, yeah. multi-talented Joe Williams. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm, I got the, the honor of being with such an illustrious group today. I mean, you guys are just, you know. We're trying to make an impression early, sir. I'm, I'm in awe to be here. I am, I am honored, well, quite frankly. We, we are honored to have you, sir. No, stop the sir stuff. You were right. There's no need for a mister. Well, I mean, Chris called you mister. I figured I'd just keep it up. Just keep it going. Yeah. And I'm going to slap him when I see him. Okay. <laughs> I would slap you back, but I'd just hit your plastic shield, and that would hurt my hand. Yeah, but at least I can breathe. Hey, at least you can. I tell you what, it may look funny, but I know that shield is a much better option than some of these masks. Okay, so let me ask you this. Did you steal it from Andy Reid, or did Andy Reid steal it from you? Oh, Andy stole it from me. He said, look, he's, he's been, been trying to copy me. For you. you realize he used to be skinny. that's fantastic oh man hey joe real quick you and i were both at the indie game on friday but and it was it was a great football game no 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 disrespect to the eagles and the admirals but it was not the biggest game in williamson county that brentwood ravenwood (laughs) game goes to uh overtime is it still Brentwood and Ravenwood and then everybody else in 66A, or is Independence in that conversation now? I think in the, no. Scott Blade will tell you, no, they're not in that conversation. He doesn't want to be in that conversation. <laughs> You're right. You're right. He's happy, he's happy doing exactly what he's doing right now, getting the kids a lot of experience, chalking up a few wins, and he'll be, he wants to be in that conversation in November and December. That, but that. I think I think you got to include him <laughs> over his objections, huh? Yes. Yeah. Um. I, I think um, 
and and Chris and I have talked all, all season. I think that he has as dynamic a player at the quarterback position as either of those teams have. I've just really been impressed, and unfortunately I've not had a chance to see him yet, but I've been impressed with all the reports I've gotten on Jackson Campbell to this point. I refuse to call him a quarterback. He he is the quintessential. He is the when, – when you look in the in the football dictionary under athlete, you'll find his picture. He is Cordell Stewart of Williamson County. Oh. oh yeah, that's – yeah. Slash. I mean, he, he, okay. he can run the ball. He can throw the ball. Uh, he he played uh, played uh, safety, played center field all night against Franklin and even had a chance to return some kicks. Little Not little the first two kicks, though. The first two kicks went seven and 14 yards oh, on two well, passes. Yeah. <laughs> that, first, that first kick went 35 yards one way and 28 yards backwards. I've never seen one bounce backwards like that. And nobody could get on it to <laughs> Couldn't get there. They outran it. Oh yeah, goodness! Literally, wow. So, um, so so Jackson's kind of that throwback, then, huh? Yeah, this is a guy who can do it all. Um, from what you heard, Joe, since you were at Indian Franklin, you weren't at Brentwood and Ravenwood. I mean, um, it sounds like that game lived up to the Battle of the Woods tradition there. No, it's going to. I don't. I, Brentwood could Brentwood could have a year where they're an old East High and they would still fight. Uh, same for, same for Ravenwood. Uh, it's just that's always going to be that way. Um, I think given an option, just me, I ra- I would have rather have lost that game. <laughs> well, it's worked out for Ravenwood the last two years. Yeah. So I mean, how does that impact your your mindset as a team? Well, I think Ravenwood's got got a lot of things to think about. Um, they could they could possibly be on a three game losing streak, and when was the last time that happened? But uh, at the same time, though, sometimes it's as much about who you lost to as how you or as the outcome was. I mean, again, they lost two weeks ago to Pulaski Academy out of Little Rock, Arkansas, which. There is no slouch, and then nope. obviously the the Brentwood loss, and then they've got um, IMG Academy out of Bradenton, Florida, coming in here this weekend. So, um, which may truly be the best high school team in America that money can buy. <laughs> you would have some folks in your county that would argue with that, but I we'll, said could be. We'll we'll leave that there. <laughs> um, I said could be. Joe, uh, Joe, I want to drop down for just a second and get away from 6-6-A. We have a lot of listeners down here that are concerned with Region 5-5-A for obvious reasons between Summit and Columbia Central. What's the um, what's the four one one on page? Uh, very, very tough. The losses mounted up, and they are struggling. We knew that this team – this program lost a lot of seniors from last year's team, and including Cade Walker at quarterback. Um, is it as simple as they're just inexperienced, or or how would you how would you characterize what's going on at this point? Well, they're giving up a little over twenty six points a game, so that's a that's a defense that is definitely in rebuild mode. And part of that is just because they are so young. Um. 
I, I think, again, I think graduation hit them. I think they're having to come back and, and rebuild. I mean, when was the last time you saw, uh, you know, one of coaches' teams give up 26 points a game? Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a typical page performance on that side of the ball for sure. Um, and, again, felt like coming into the year that Summit was going to kind of be the, the – class of that region but then i felt like you could kind of throw page shelbyville and columbia central into a bag and and draw them out in any order to get your two three and four obviously lincoln county has kind of interjected themselves into that conversation as well and i'm wondering if they kind of replace page in that conversation uh Quite possibly, you know, Page has still got the the toughest. I mean, look at what they've got left. They've got Summit, then Columbia, then Lincoln County. I mean, that's that is not the last four region games or last three region games you really want on your schedule right now. It's really not. I mean, you hope to be playing your best ball toward this portion of the schedule, but at the same time, I mean, those are three potential playoff teams right there, particularly. Um, and, and they all pose different problems. I mean, we've been talking about Destin Wade, really a dual threat kind of guy. Columbia primarily getting it done defensively. And Lincoln County with, you know, the the running game that their quarterback uh, presents. So um, you, you've, got, you've got dilemmas, obviously, in all three of those games, especially if you are a struggling defense, as Paige apparently is right now. Well, yeah, and and you've got a situation there where I think you're right. I think that was that was kind of summit and everybody else. And uh, if if injuries heal, it'll still be that way at the end of the year. Talking with Joe Williams at the Williamson Herald, Joe, keeping with that mindset, is this a this page team? Is this a team that if they can get a win in one of those three games that could play spoiler or something like that. Do they have that, that, that maybe that mindset of we can, we can win these games despite having a poor season to this point. You know, I think if they come out and they can play, if, if they can go to, if they can play summit and not get blown out, not get beaten by 20 or 21 or whatever, um, I think even a loss would give them some confidence going against Columbia, Lincoln County, and Franklin County. Now, you know, that's you're, you're talking about young kids. Again, they're very the youth movement is on there. Uh, a tough loss, a bad loss, if you want to call it that, to Summit could be a, a crushing defeat. Okay. A, a surprise win, an upset win, or again, you know, not a bad loss might give them the confidence to, to come back and, and maybe be the the three. Hmm. And and we saw how this region performed once they got to the playoffs last year. They were three points away from sweeping region six. So you gotta feel like if Paige gets there, even if they are playing at home, depending on who it is, they got a shot. Exactly. Oh there look Never count Charles Rathbone out, <laughs> you know. Never count those kids out. I think quietly he has done one of the better jobs in the mid state over a long period of time. Oh, I would agree. And he and and like the thing about it is though, it's it's exactly what you said, Maurice. He's done it quietly. Yeah, yeah. He's he, not 
he, he's not flashy. He's not a, you know, he's not a look at us, look at me. They just go out and do the job. Before we let you go, Joe, want to get your thoughts on um, this Nolansville Central game coming up. Uh, Nolansville advanced to what the state semifinals in Class Four A last year. Really, a, a young program, obviously, but um, one of their wins was at home against Columbia Central last year. Central again coming off of what I felt like was a huge victory over Lincoln County this past weekend. Now they get the Knights coming in here on Friday. You know, it, it, it's it's tough to say. I think Columbia is probably an obvious favorite. I think if there's a positive for Nolansville, really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, they come in, they play well. I know people say there's no such thing as a as a moral victory, but there is. There are psychological victories. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that's where, again, playing Columbia close, even though it may go up as an L, is indeed a win. It, it very well could be. I know I, I watched the Nolansville Spring Hill game a couple of weeks ago, and Nolansville was able to it, – it, it was only a 14-point game or a 16-point game. It didn't feel like – it felt like a much bigger win for Nolansville, but they they gave up quite a bit in, in the run game, and that seems to be Columbia's strength. So I definitely agree that it could be Columbia's game to lose in this particular year. And on the other half, you know, how good it – we really don't know how good Nolansville is because their only loss right now is to Brentwood. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Hey, Joe, we appreciate you coming on with us. Joe Williams, veteran sports writer from the Williamson Herald. You can check them out at williamsonherald.com. He and Charles Pulliam do a fantastic job up there. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on with us. Gentlemen, thank you so much again. I'm honored to be asked. It, it was a lot of fun. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Murray County Cross Country Championships and yesterday's district and region golf tournaments we'll be right back on southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. And welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Again, I'm Chris Yao. Maurice Patton is on the other side of the studio for me. We've got 
The Murray County Cross Country Championships are today. And that will happen at 5 p.m., I believe. 5 p.m. with the girls' race, followed by the boys at 540. Those are the high school races. Those will be preceded by middle school races as well. Gotcha. So, Murray County Cross Country Championships today, and we are joined by Brady Henson. He is the cross country coach over at Columbia Academy, and he also has the distinction of being Connor's dad, (laughs) and I think that's the most important thing today. That may be the most important thing today, and and after that, the most important thing will be me not referring to him in the subsequent article as Coach Connor, Connor Henson because I've done that. So, <laughs> hey Brady, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh my goodness, what an intro! So you know, this is my uh, my first meet to direct championship meet, uh, my first radio show. Uh, with two legends, and so I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm trying mind. to take it all in this morning. Well, That's hopefully, all I'm trying to do. <laughs> hopefully, you will be over this by the time the meet comes up this afternoon. But um, oh, we, we got a chance. You weren't out there, but but I got a chance to get out to Ring Farm last weekend, uh, last Tuesday, for um an all comers meet, and it it seemed to go really well, and. I think for for you and a lot of folks, that was kind of the test drive for today. Um, What type feedback did you get? Um, What have you tweaked from last week to this week? So the feedback was really good. Uh, The course was the the course uh, all in all after, you know, six and a half inches of rain two days prior held up really well. So we, we know that we've got a really good course, and the feedback was they were just glad to run. That was the, that was the consensus among everybody. We're just glad to run. You know, um, and having said that, particularly Jeremy Paisley and his Spring Hill team did not get to run last year. Uh, last week, I'm sorry, got a reprieve earlier this week from the, um, from the Murray County Public School Central Office. They expected – to not be able to run in this because of the athletic department shutdown. They're actually going to be there. And speaking of pleased to run, I don't imagine anyone will be more pleased to run today than the Raiders. Absolutely. And I applaud uh, Murray County school system uh, for allowing this to happen. Um, I, I really do. I think, I think we're a little bit different. We're not a uh, contact sport. You know, we, we, we do distance and, uh, and I, and I appreciate the fact that they're going to be there. And uh, and there's one senior in particular that I'm really happy is going to be there to run because this will be his last uh, Murray County Championship. And I'm, I'm very happy for that team. Absolutely. Talking with Columbia Academy cross-country coach and director of today's Murray County Cross-Country Championships, Brady Henson. Brady, I hate to talk about it, this way but you know your son connor is the uh, i mean he's the returning champion and he ran he won last year's race by more than a minute i mean it's we can't not talk about it so um (laughs) what is that motive what's the motivation for him this year he's been a uh, as on average according to his mouth but he's been a little bit slower this year yeah so he in his uh first race at coleman midget 
and uh, and it was slower. Uh, but 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 he also won by forty seconds in that race. So yeah, you know. <laughs> he, he's he, he's seasoned he's seasoned enough to know when to back it down and when to ramp gotcha. it up. And 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 I appreciate that. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be 100% all the time. If you've got a big lead and you know you've got a big lead, there's no sense in, in killing yourself. Um, so that's that's what I appreciate more than anything is that his ability this year to really kind of understand the race much more and have a, a bigger perspective on the race. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it was probably seven seconds slower than what he's run, but uh, we also need to take into consideration that it was about uh, 75% humidity that day. As well. So yeah, several, yeah, several factors played in, but, but, um, you know, he's, he's in pretty good shape this year. You know, Brady with, with, with the course, with the weather situation today, how, how do you expect, what type times do you expect today? I mean, coming off of, as you said, a, a, match a, a meet up at Hendersonville where it was 75% humidity and that kind of thing and maybe Connor's time was a little slower do you expect maybe faster times maybe slower times what what are your expectations generally speaking coming into today I, I think the times are going to be fast I, I really think the times are going to be fast today I mean no humidity. Look, the weather is going to be absolutely perfect. It's going to be a little overcast, maybe a touch of wind, but for the most part, the temperatures are, you know, what, 70, 75 degrees, and it may be even cooler than that by the time they run. Um, so I, I fully anticipate uh, there to be some really fast running today at uh, Ring Farm. Some good running weather. Chris mentioned Connor, obviously. Um, switching over to the girls' side, you also have the defending meet champion and Annabelle Cothran. What have you seen out of her to this point this season, and what are your expect- uh, expectations for her? today well i think uh annabelle this year got a little bit of a late start she had some conflicts with softball summer ball and uh now she's kind of starting to get into a rhythm again with cross country uh she was a little bit slower than what she wanted to be at coleman midget uh but we are we've got her pretty much on track right now and uh, i think she is going to be uh a tough case for a lot of people here towards the end of the year. Give me, excuse me, a, a non CA boy and a non CA girl worth keeping an eye on today. So I think, I think it's uh, Michael Gerhardt out of spring Hill would be a kid to uh, keep your eye on today. He, uh, by all appearances had a really good summer. Uh, he's worked hard. He was saying, I think, last year to Connor at the championships. Uh, I saw him run uh, at Henry Horton, and I think he ran pretty close to 17, maybe like 17.05, something like that. But uh, but I, I think for him, this is his last Murray County championship. I think he has nothing to lose, and he would be a kid that I would I would watch and pay attention to today. What about on, on the, the girls' girl side? side mm-hmm. The girls' side, you completely caught me off guard on the girls' side because I haven't studied the girls as much. But I, I do think that you would probably need to uh, take into consideration uh, watching one of the uh, rolling girls out of Hampshire today. Um, they they traditionally have been really good runners. Um, and, and I think they didn't run last year, but they're back this year. So I, I'd be interested to see what they look like. 
Absolutely. Brady, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, the Murray County Cross Country Championships are scheduled for what time did the middle school run? Okay, great. So the middle school boys are at 4. The middle school girls are at 4.30, followed by the high school girls at 5 and the uh, high school boys at 5.40 for the McDonald's Murray County Championships. All right, there you have it. Make sure to get out to. I'm not. Oh, are you guys allowing any spectators? So we are, and we are going to do temperature checks at the gate, uh, and we are uh, highly encouraging those that attend to uh, wear their masks. Please wear your masks. Spring Hill says says they don't want to get shut down anymore. Please. So and Columbia Academy doesn't want to be shut down any further. Uh, exactly. So yeah. no, and, and our athletes are wearing masks. All right. All right. There you go, Brady. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Good luck today, guys. Thank, thank you very much for having us. Uh, we we appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thank Sound, you. Sounds good. We'll see you this afternoon. Yes, sir. All right. All right, Murray County Cross Country Championships today. Varsity starts at 5 p.m. with the Varsity Girls. Also in action today, uh, running will be Summertown and Summit. They are down at Davy Crockett Park in Lawrenceburg. JP, you've you've been there once or twice. I know that place very well. That's that is a fun place. Got some nice hills and some trails. Uh, it's a nice scenic route. So scenic that it might slow your time. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like he might have run cross country at some point and. <laughs> I've walked cross country. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> so, so it wasn't the park that slowed JP's time. No. It, it was the fact that he just didn't run very much. Correct. Correct. <laughs> oh man! And in golf action yesterday, mm-hmm. we had t- three, four, four local teams who six, six we local six teams, local te- advance. No. Oh, advance! No, we so, had we had. Three local teams advance. Okay. Okay. So, Summertown's boys and girls mm-hmm. both advanced from region mm-hmm. to state. State. Uh, yeah, they both won the Region 6 small class tournament held yesterday down at Lawrenceburg Golfing Country Club. Region champions advance to the state tournament. So, they will be in the small class state championships next Tuesday and Wednesday at Willowbrook down in Manchester. That is the first time the Summertown Boys team has made the state tournament, according to their school's Twitter account. We're going to trust it. And we trust that as much as we trust about anything. And the girls are the two-time defending state champions. Two-time. Two-time. Going for, um, what is it, going for a three-peat? Wait, that's copyrighted. We can't say that. Yeah, you can't say that. Can't say three-peat. Sorry. Riley will get on you. Yeah, yeah. Because he ain't got nothing better to do. <laughs> He's probably listening right now. <laughs> hey, Pat. Yeah. Um, and then the District 11 large class tournament yesterday at Franklin Bridge. Uh, Summit girls placed third. Top three teams advance from district to region. So Summit's girls advance behind Ravenwood and Franklin. Um, we did not have a t- boys team or boys individual advance. Um Independence's Independence had a kid that shot a seventy six and didn't get out. 
So that's that, rough. So that tells you what you're dealing with there. But Summit's girls advanced, and Piper Davis from Independence advanced individually. The Region Six Large Class Tournament is next week at Greystone in Dixon. Right, and today, today Columbia Central is in the District Eight Large Class Tournament. They are playing as we speak over at Riverbend in mm-hmm. Shelbyville. Correct. So we'll have results from that probably tomorrow as well. In addition to tonight's action on the pitch, you can find Columbia Academy at Franklin Road Academy. That's at 5 p.m. Kalioka's at Waverly at 6. Also at 6, Spring Hill at Nolansville and Zion Christian at Richland. That'll be a good game. And then Columbia Central travels to Summit at 7 p.m. That's all girls soccer. Make sure to get out and support those young ladies. Also, I believe Summertown Volleyball is at Mount Pleasant tonight. They play tonight. I'm not sure where they play. Summertown Volleyball is at Mount Pleasant at at 530. Columbia Academy hosts Webb Bellbuckle at 530. Independence is at Centennial at 6. Fayetteville travels to Cullioca at 630. Summit is at Ravenwood at 630. And Zion Christian and Battleground Academy will also play this afternoon on at in volleyball so make sure again lots of action to get out and see tonight girls soccer and volleyball if you have a chance please do so support those young ladies they deserve it when we come back we are going to talk about a couple of semi-local at least one of them has a local tie some local sports and more Again, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm telling you, if you've got you got one of those old school amps and subs in your car, this intro music will get you jamming. This is you rattling windshields. Ain't bad. I love it. You did a good job picking this up. Well, Un- unsupervised. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> JP JP left the computer and he was like, "Just go through there and download some stuff." And I was like, "Okay," and that's what I did. This is what I came up with. That's our new intro music. So 
Hope you guys like it. If you don't like it, you can tell us on Twitter at SM underscore TN Sports. We'd love to get your feedback on that and anything else that you have to offer us on the show. We appreciate any feedback whatsoever as long as it's positive. <laughs> if you don't like the intro music, be sure and give us an alternative. Yeah. <laughs> Send us a YouTube clip or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so. so we made it through the high school hour unscathed. For the most part. For the most part. Hey. Yeah. It's a good day. Once again, it is two minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock, and we are here in Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, they got the little... Yeah. The, the... I didn't notice that yesterday. Was that there yesterday? Oh, yeah. Or is that it's, new? it's been there for a while. Oh, okay. I didn't, yeah, I... that's compliments of George V. George Hamilton mm-hmm. the fifth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if maybe I just didn't notice it because I, I, it's on three or four doors, I think. So. Ah. But, Mo, anywhere you are is cool. cool. There we go. Mo. And... and and you cool hill this. when you're in cool franklin cool springs cool springs <laughs> <laughs> anyway well let's let's talk a little bit about a this one is is not necessarily just local to murray county because he's the senator for the entire state of tennessee but murray county is in tennessee so this is as local as it's going to get to in, in this particular segment lamar alexander and I heard this on the way in. I'm not sure if you guys are listening to Tom Price in the mornings. But Lamar Alexander wrote a, an op-ed, and he sends it out to every media outlet in the state. And I used to run it when I was at my previous stop. Always loved reading it. Today, <laughs> not so much. his opinion, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I think he's got some good points. But today he wrote an opinion piece that essentially says college athletes should not be paid at all for what they provide to their particular academic institution. We all know how much money is brought in by college athletic major college athletics in the basketball and football sports obviously the other ones are called non-revenue sports for a reason but that doesn't mean there aren't some great athletes in those sports and that sort of thing that could potentially become professionals in their chosen sport he says that the scholarship is worth one million dollars over their lifetime and because if they earn a degree, a college degree is supposedly worth $1 million over not having a college degree. What do you think about college athletes getting paid? And is he right? Or should we at least offer these kids the ability to get paid on their name and likeness? You're asking me. I'm I'm asking you. Got to clear my throat on this one. Woo, here we go. Why can nobody else, why can everybody else get paid while they're in college except the student athlete? It's a great question. Why are we discriminating against athletes? <laughs> Here's the thing I don't necessarily think that paying 
scholarship athletes is a bad idea. I do think there could and probably would be some underhandedness. I mean, you might see if I'm a five-star athlete, I might get a job at a car dealership washing cars for, you know, $50,000 a year. Well, there's no might to it. You know? well, that's my point. And, and and there's no might to the underhandedness. It's going to happen because it's, it's happening already now. there. Yeah, it's yeah. happening now. So, I mean, it. I, I think, one, you might be able to regulate it a little bit better. But, two, again, as you said, there is so much money coming. I mean, you look at Clemson's athletic setup. You look at LSU's athletic setup. You see the money that's coming through those places. And everybody's everybody's profiting off those athletes, but the athletes and, and it's, it's to me, it's hypocritical. And, and uh, it, it's just a tough situation. I mean, I, I was at MTSU in the mid eighties and it's, it's a completely different situation, but I mean, when, when the, when the, um, when the Yukon guard said during the national championship, I think it was Khalid Alamine that was saying that, you know, that we're going hungry at certain points and this kind of thing. And there were some adjustments to what was available to student athletes after that. But I mean, I, I know football players were going back to their dorms after ball games, after big wins, because MTSU won a lot when I was there. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to do with it, but they won a lot when I was there. But they were going back and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the dorm because nothing was open on campus. And and as a former coach friend of mine was fond of saying, I'm not telling you what I heard, I'm telling you what I know. And so, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting a little money in these kids' pockets, but but what I don't understand is why is there such an objection to it? This is this is my thought process. And he makes this point in the column is if they want to get paid, they ought to be professionals. Well, let's do it then. Let's, I'm not sure they're not. Well, let, uh, and and that's that's not necessarily untrue. There are a lot of these kids who are never going to play professional sports. If there's a a way to distribute money across every sport, then that seems like the more fair idea. But I don't think it is the most plausible idea. I don't think there's any way that you can pay these athletes more. They're already getting a stipend, by the way. For most Division I athlete, scholarship athletes get a stipend because they can't have a job. If they're not on scholarship, they can go work at MAPCO if they want. But that doesn't mean uh, those players are probably not the ones contributing so how how do you make the justification for the guy who gets that 65th to 72nd scholarship who's kind of a fringe player versus the guy who's going to make millions as a professional now he's making millions as a college athlete it's th those other players also need the ability to be able to make money i'm just i'm just intrigued by when we're fans of capitalism and when we're not okay i i'm i'm absolutely and it, 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 agree. We're, we're all about free enterprise except when we're not 
And that's the thing is I've never been uh, if there's a if there's an athlete out there who can go wash cars at the car lot for $50,000 a year, that's fine. Because it's is, is it any money out of your pocket? It's no money out of your, <laughs> and it does not matter. Because in the grand scheme of things, major college athletics is comes down to 25 schools. <laughs> those 25 schools are always going to be those 25 schools. It's not going to make a difference. You're still going to have occasionally one of those other schools make a small dent in to the, the landscape when you have a Boise State or whatever. Boise State did it in spite of. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what we have to understand here is this is this is not going to change what college athletics is. If we pay athletes, it's not going to make anybody else better or worse. It's just going to stay the same. Yeah, I mean, your your Boise State, your Central Florida's, your Memphises, those types, like you said, it's not going to change things. Your top twenty five is still going to be roughly your top twenty five, and. I just, knowing where some of these kids come from and and what they have to deal with to be on campus and and to tell them that, well, you're getting a free education. What more do you want? I'd like to eat. (laughs) And it doesn't seem unreasonable. You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to get back home if somebody close to me dies. And not worry about where that's coming from. Yeah, yeah, and and not have to fill out paperwork through the NCAA to to get it cleared and that kind of thing, and and have it be the right person as opposed to just a friend, and and have it not approved or or whatever else, and and so I just think there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. I think there's a lot of hypocrisy involved, and. Again, I'm just I'm I'm intrigued by when the free market is a good thing and when it's not. It's always a good thing. Oh. <clears throat> Except no, it's always a good. That's my opinion, but mm-hmm. it's always a good thing. And and if you're worth $50,000 a year, if you wash cars so well <laughs> that they're going to pay you $50,000 a year, then by George, take the money and run. Have at it. Kind of like never mind. We'll get to that later. You knew exactly who I was talking about, didn't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, that's enough. Uh, it, it, there are plenty of politics. That's what we need. Uh, Coach said earlier, we, that's what we need, more politics and sports. There we and, go. Um, I think we've got enough politics on this station in the morning time, so we're going to <laughs> leave that era to It's them. an interesting topic, though. Sure. It really and, is. And, it, it, and it's it, not going to go away until it gets addressed. Exactly either one way or the other Mm -hmm. here's the thing if we're not going to if we're not going to pay college athletes then we have to stop making them go to college you can't have a two-year buffer minor minor league i mean you you can't have the nfl say no you have to be out of high school for two years in order to play in the nfl what are they supposed to do for two years if they don't go to college well dwayne rock dwayne the rock johnson has an option Mm mm-hmm and and if that's the case, let's do it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, moving on. <laughs> Big news out of North Carolina today. 
Big news for me. I, I was, a, it was actually yesterday, but I'm a huge fan of this, and not just out of North Carolina, but also Alabama, because Michael Jordan has purchased a NASCAR team. He will, he along with Denny Hamlin, will own their own race car in the NASCAR Cup Series. Michael Jordan becomes the first black majority owner of a NASCAR team since Wendell Scott in the 70s. And to double down on that, they have the first black full-time driver in NASCAR since Wendell Scott in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, when Wendell Scott was kind of a, a one-man operation <laughs> there at the time. There will be a few more people involved with this one. Just a few. That being said, Bubba Wallace will drive for a Michael Jordan-owned NASCAR team, and that's pretty awesome. It's it's you know it's it's pretty splashy for sure. I mean, Michael Jordan's going to own it. Denny Hamlin's going to run it. I'm fascinated by Denny Hamlin's going to continue to drive for Joe Gibbs Racing, so he's going to drive a car and own a car. Yeah, but you realize that. This particular car is just going to be another Gibbs car, right? I mean, it's, they're going to have the same, the same fit, the same everything. It's just going to be Denny's going to run the team, right. but he's obviously going to run it the same way he's been running or his team. His team, yeah. So um, it's just going to be another Joe Gibbs car. Yeah, we're going to talk on Thursday during this hour with Heather Williams from um, WCYB up in Bristol. And she is a huge, huge NASCAR fan, reporter, writer. Anybody in why would anybody in Bristol be a fan of NASCAR? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, she's kind of helped me understand a lot over the last few years about NASCAR, and we're going to get her on to discuss this. But I, I this is, it's it's, I think it kind of adds a little energy to the sport because again, no the att the attention that Bubba Wallace gained over this summer i'm told that basically he was kind of underfinanced, undersupported with it, richard Penny. not necessarily underfinanced. they just they just didn't have a very good team in place the cars weren't very good the motors weren't very good everything was just subpar and yet he still finished second at the daytona 500 well and that won't be an issue this time no this will be absolutely not an issue and, no and, issue at all. And so, with that, we're going to find out. Can Bubba Wallace drive? We will find out. There's no question. We will find out the answer to that next season, and I'm really excited because I, if anything good has come out of 2020, it is that I actually have paid attention to NASCAR for the first time since... Ever? 1993. <laughs> um, that... And I know that sounds crazy because I was seven years old, but that's when Davey Allison died and Davey and my family were close friends and my granddad was supposed to be in the helicopter with him that morning. And so, yeah, uh, that was the last time I cared about NASCAR to any real degree. Mm -hmm. So, but, but this year I've really, I've kind of paid attention. I kind of dove in a little bit and it's been a lot of fun. So really excited to see what ne next year brings. I know the playoffs right now are, awesome so yeah I, like you said i think 2021 is going to be pretty exciting it certainly will and thursday will be exciting when we talk more about this particular caveat to nascar 
looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we come back, we're going to talk to retired Tennessee State Athletics Director Teresa Phillips about what we talked about yesterday, Neon Deion Sanders being the new head football coach at Jackson State. We'll get her take on that and more when we come back. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's hour number two, 20 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here on WKOM 1017 FM. What's the weather like outside? Perfect. 62 degrees. Sunny here in Columbia. I, I stole that from the Brenda Lynn Show. It's, it is fun to say. There's no question. It's catchy. Yeah. We're hearing cool. And it is cool outside. Of 62 degrees is a beautiful day. And we are here in studio. I've got Maurice Patton with me, our producer, J.P. Plant. And this segment is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And I'm going to let Maurice take this one. Um, I'm really happy to have with us on the line Teresa Phillips, longtime Athletics director at Tennessee State University, former women's basketball coach at TSU. Um, for one game, former men's basketball coach <laughs> at TSU and um, Vanderbilt graduate. And we, I, I came up with this coach yesterday. We got to talking about the hiring of Deion Sanders as the new football coach at Jackson State. And when I heard that this was – being discussed heavily a couple of weeks ago. I, I had some thoughts about it, but nobody cares what I think. Um, Coach, if you're talking about somebody whose background is what Dion's is, having played at Florida mm-hmm. State, having played Major League Baseball, having played in the NFL, NFL Hall of Famer, making the right. transition to coaching, particularly in their first job, at a historically black college or university. What would you tell Dion if you could? Well, I don't know if you can tell Dion Sanders much. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say but listen. I, I just said, what would you tell him? Yeah, yeah, because that's who he is. So hopefully, hopefully he is listening some, though, uh, because um, being a first-time head coach right there is already – you need to be listening. Uh, going to the FCS level after playing at a Florida State in the NFL, Major League Baseball, you need to be listening. And then the HBCU uh, experience is still just a whole nother learning curve. And I was at Tennessee State for 31 years. 
and I've seen coaches come and go, as you you know, Maurice, you you were uh, covering us when some of them came and went. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and some of them had come from, you know, uh, FBS, Power Five or whatever. And that adjustment is still a, a whole nother level of uniqueness. Um, different than just going to an FCS level. There's another layer at the HBCU level. Uh, It's what makes some of us love our HBCUs. (laughs) And then it's in that adjustment, you know, one of the the little jokes that we say, if if you can work at an HBCU or coach at HBCU, you can work or coach anywhere because you have learned to be nimble, flexible, and um, you've learned to do a whole lot of things on, on the fly sometimes, uh, but but also the nurturing and is another whole positive side to that, too. But I mean, we're kind of talking about today, I guess, you know, the challenges that Dion will face. And that was my question, uh, Coach Phillips. What are some of the unique differences that coaches face at HBCUs? Well, I, I think just it just the general slow processes of red tape. I just think we all will admit that. Any of us who are HBCU graduates, you know, from from even just getting in school, uh, the processes, uh, whether it's financial aid, the processes, <laughs> whether it's, you know, getting your residence hall dorm is what we used to call them. They call them residence halls. The processes, they just aren't instantaneous. It just is a, a little bit of slow process, red tape, uh, HBCUs almost closed down for fall break, summer school, spring break, Christmas break. And, you know, you just can't get things done um, as you are used to, especially over in the athletics world. Because, you know, athletics world is pop, 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 move, move, move. It's too late to go recruit them. If I can't get a check to go today, uh, hey, somebody else already got them. So it's a lot of adjustments and learning the system is very important when you come in as a, a new head coach. So uh, Ashley, their AD down there, the president, et cetera, surrounding Dion with people and having people who really understand the Jackson State processes and will help them navigate them because I am certainly sure Dion is not a very patient man when it comes to waiting for what he wants. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the next time Dion has to wait for something, I would imagine will be the first time Dion's had to wait for something, and that's going to be – you know, yeah. it's going to happen at some point. It's, but It's going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Um, all that said, mm-hmm. what does Jackson <laughs> State get out of this? I'm, I'm going to tell you, I told people yesterday, Maurice, you guys, I don't see Jackson State having that much to lose. They have, haven't been winning. Um they they beat TSU last year for the first time in what six or seven years and and we haven't been very successful in our conference but we've been very successful playing them. Uh, the SWAC is a is a very winnable conference for them if they just improve in a, a few different areas and I'm certainly sure Dion is going to be able to recruit a higher caliber uh, student athlete uh, than they have been getting. So what did they really have to lose? An investment of some money. I'm sure they had to pay Dion, had to give him a pool of money for the assistant coaches that he's bringing in. They're going to have to probably have a more staffing around a Dion Sanders, a first-time head coach with the NCA compliance and all that kind of stuff. You know he's going to be – they're going to be being watched mm-hmm. now <laughs> because of that. But, you know, they, they won't have to cheat to win. Dion brings a market, marketability 
that will, uh, I guess, produce to me more fundraising, more fans in the seats, and a better caliber student-athlete. And again, what do they have to lose? They ain't been winning, Maurice. So what do you know? So the investment may be, I think, worth it. The upfront investment will pay off, I believe, in some fundraising, some selling more uh, seats and things like that, and, and an enrollment increase. And that's what you kind of look for when you want to have successful athletics. You think you're going to get the payoff over on the academic side in, in, in the form of more better caliber students and your alumni given. And I guess they feel like they're going to have an opportunity to sell some seats since they're going to play spring football in the SWAC. They're going to play spring football. I mean, you know, we have to factor in. We can't control the COVID situation. That's going to last maybe through this next season of, of, of competitions. But we prayerfully that's going to go away. And hopefully just in time, if not even this spring for fall, and I mean, they're, they, they're liable to have a huge fall down in Mississippi at Jackson State. Who's not going to want to come and see Deion Sanders on the sideline? And let's just be honest, some of the other celebrity people that he'll be able to bring in that'll be in and around the program. Now, as AD, would that concern me a little bit? Because, you know, when you start having all these people around the program, <laughs> there is risk. There are risks. <laughs> there are risks. But you know, they've got to do their due diligence about that. And, you know, and but I, but I think they thought it out before they did it. And they knew, I mean, you it's just like a home run hitter. They're going to strike out sometimes. They're going to be some, some deficiencies to it. But, boy, when he gets to the plate and hits it out, you know, it, the payoff is there. So uh, I, I, I can see uh, the reason for them stepping out and trying to make this big splash. They obviously definitely had a big day yesterday, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in, in a year or two, we'll be able to maybe have a conversation to see if it worked out. But I, I, I can see um, a SWAC school, uh, Jackson State, and what their football program, their athletics have been over the last 10 years. I can see this move being something really worth their while. Talking with retired Tennessee State Athletics Director Teresa Phillips. Coach Phillips, you can buy billboards, you can send out postcards, you can do a lot of things. But you you hit on, again, you hit on my next question. <laughs> this is a public relations move, a marketing move, as much as, as it is a football move. Have you ever considered a, a PR hire, for lack of a better term? Uh, we've dangled and played with it <laughs> a little bit, but I'm just such a, you know, I, I'm, I'm so... Uh, you know, I'm by, I'm so much more by the book. I'm a lot less flamboyant than that. Uh, but but one but I cannot criticize the move. I think uh, for now, I don't. Will, would that move fit Tennessee State playing in the OVC in the same way that it works with Jackson State in the SWAC? No, I don't think it works the same way. I, I think Jackson, Mississippi is different than Nashville, Tennessee, and certainly the SWAC is different than the OBC. So for those reasons, I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if it flies. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I'm not the AD and I'm retired because I think Mickey Allen and, and Glenda Glove, our president, they, they I don't know what they're going to counter to this move. <laughs> That's the same thing. Win football games. And, yeah, win 
that's you know one <laughs> one uh, old coach and you might know remember coach leon moore played at uh tennessee state and has been a long time equipment manager retired and he's back uh hanging out every day over in the equipment room but he just says winning takes care of everything so i'll just say that when you win that shuts it all up doesn't it, it, it you it, know so, so it, coach, coach coach moore has been retired for about as long as he was over there i think yeah, coach. but uh, he he's right. something it's, else it's unique he because he actually he's hanging out in the equipment room and this is a small world story a guy i went to high school with was the equipment manager at tsu right before he came back Wow. I know, right? Wow. How weird is that? Guy from middle of Alabama, nowhere, was the equipment man right before he came. That's so funny. Coach Moore's international, though. So. Hey. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> um, Coach, you you talk about you know the differences between the SWAC and the OVC. Having been at TSU as long as you were, I I know there's been a lot of sidewalk alumni talk and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Why isn't TSU in the SWAC? Right, yeah. Why why isn't TSU in the sweat? Well, you know, um, TSU just modeled itself very differently many years ago when Howard Gentry Jr.'s father was our AD. That's Howard Gentry Sr., who Gentry Center is named after. And I think our our president, uh, the most storied president we ever had, uh, Dr. Davis, uh, he really put TSU on the map and knew that athletics and our marching band will be one way to do it. But they also always saw TSU differently. And that we were, you know, the, like we call our majorettes the sophisticated ladies. And I'm not going to tell you what Jackson State calls theirs. So <laughs> it's just a whole different swing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just we swing a little different way at, at TSU. And I think geographically, uh, just financially, and I think uh, we we've just modeled in a different uh, way for all of these years in adjusting to go to a SWAC. I think it would just be challenging. And every president, they, now you know, I went through several presidents as AD, and from the 31 years I spent at TSU, every single one of them got attacked by that segment of alumni about the SWAC. And as they studied it and looked at it, every single one of them settled back with the OVC is a better conference for TSU to stay in. It's more of a football issue and it really is not an issue for all the other sports and, and, and our, our alumni living in the past somewhat in their head kind of don't realize with the NCAA, you have to have these 14, 15 sports. You just can't play football and men's basketball and have women's track team. And, and so when you go over to the SWAC, you know, just the geographical and the financial implications are, are, are just uh, just too overbearing for us to make that move. Now, will we ever go to another conference? We 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 played with that uh, right before I left and, and we're in conversations about a new conference. I can't really speak to because it's still kind of a under the wrap thing. So we have looked at that. And I think uh, uh, with the new AD, that will continue to be studied. Um, even though TSU is in the OVC, I know obviously you keep your eyes on the SWAC. There was news some time ago, Florida A&M's going to the SWAC, leaving the MEAC. What were your thoughts when you heard that? I, it made the SWAC more attractive to TSU. Wow. I did think that. Uh, that's a natural natural rival game of mm-hmm. ours already, um, and uh, it it just uh, it it hit now. Of course, North Carolina A and T. Uh,
course, North Carolina A&T um, and, and uh, Hampton have gone to PWI conference. So, so, but I think it, 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 it made it a little bit more attractive, uh, but it doesn't change the, the argument that I just kind of made about the geography, about the other sports, uh, what's really in it for TSU. It looks good on surface when we have a big crowd at the Southern Heritage in Memphis or at the uh, the game that we used to play in Atlanta. But if you really look at the attendance in the swag of just the mundane games on their schedules, they just don't they don't bring those kind of numbers in. It's kind of like a dream that we're always going to have 50,000 people at a game. It doesn't happen. Uh, when you really look at your entire schedule playing eight SWAC schools, you're going to have one or two big paydays and, and the rest. And, and every other year, you're going to be going away for those. And it just it, it, it doesn't add up. You know, the party's part of it. It's very exciting to think about, but it just doesn't add up on paper. Okay. Hey, we're visiting again with retired Tennessee State Athletics Director Teresa Phillips. Coach, I appreciate you taking some time with us. Before we let mm-hmm. you go, retired Athletics Director what is your early impression of your successor, Mickey Allen? Uh, well, Mickey, someone, uh, I looked at Mickey the other day and it looked like, you know, how most presidents, uh, Bill Clinton, Obama started graying within the first five or six years. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mickey recently. And I was like, I didn't point out to him. I was like, do you realize your hair is graying already? So I don't know. Mickey, um, he's already making some pretty big moves um, with the fundraising component. I think that's going to be Mickey's strength and, and a big difference from what I was. That just wasn't a strength of mine and I think that's something he is going to focus on and it's just a new set of eyes the optics of and the branding um, he's working on those things uh, it's a tough time to make some of those moves because you know obviously people aren't you know um, really working face to face with each other uh, yet but I think uh, those things are going to really uh, be evident as we move forward with uh, uh, Mickey's tenure. I think those are his strengths. Uh, he has some learning curve to do. I mean, he's come from FBS school to HBCU playing, you know, FCS football, and 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 some that's some of that gray hair he has. <laughs> but uh, but he'll be okay once he adjusts in his barber you know, works with him on that, but um, I like him. Uh, he's uh, got the energy for the job, and uh, we just have to all get behind him and, and be supportive, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, some of the great changes that he's going to make, and I think he's going to build on the positive things we had going, and he's going to really uh, be able to grow um, on that financial side, which is just what we have to have, Maurice, in order to stay or be competitive. Absolutely. Coach, thanks so much for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. We really appreciate your time. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Coach. That's Teresa Phillips, retired Tennessee State's athletic director. And we appreciate her joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's our top five sports movies. It's Top 5 Tuesday here on WKOM 101.7 FM. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there. 
and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. We are back. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yell, along with Maurice Patton. As talked about yesterday. The as, two, as will be talked about tomorrow. As will be talked about tomorrow. Probably the two biggest Braves fan in fans in uh, Columbia today. Quite possibly. Uh, Maurice, I have to ask you, because I know what was going through my mind yesterday in the top of the first inning. The Atlanta Braves give up three runs in the top of the first in after we talked about which Inoa would we get. And we, we figured out in the first inning it was one, and then after that it was a different one. Um, what was going through your mind in that first inning when he gives up three runs? You know, I didn't feel so bad about him giving up three runs because all three of them were, were not bleeders, but, you know, infield hits that got through that just there yeah. weren't plays made on. They just found holes. I mean, they, yeah, that, weren't, they weren't stinging him. Right. Know? Yeah, the, the, the third run was a, a line drive you know, to the outfield, but it still was soft contact. Yeah, it wasn't anything. It, it wasn't like a gap or don't, anything. Don't, don't, don't say soft contact. Ah, sorry, Chip. Yeah, don't don't use that phrase. Find something else. Nonetheless, it wasn't hit very hard, and exactly. it, and he wasn't hit very hard in the first inning. It just a couple seeing eye singles. But again, you just kind of felt like I, I was sitting there going, "My goodness, it, it it's like Luke Jackson. Every single thing that they hit finds its way to the outfield." And and clearly, with this twenty twenty Atlanta Braves team, and having been a fan since, well, anyway. Um, rarely would you say starting pitching is the Achilles heel of the Atlanta Braves. Starting pitching is the Achilles heel of the Atlanta Braves. It, it, no question. There's, there's zero question about that because the rest of the team is as good as any team I've ever seen in Atlanta. Yeah, um, but we talk about the top of the first – Let's talk about the bottom of Let's the first. Let's talk about the bottom that of the first. That was way better. <laughs> because the Braves answered those three top of the first inning runs with four runs of their own, and that was all they needed. And 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 what did I text you? I don't even remember. Another 29 runs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were on pace to score 32. 32. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? But, but no, I, I, think, I think that was a great immediate answer, and, and – as we talked yesterday about this series, you got to put some doubt in the Marlins' minds. And I think that's, when they come out, happened. they come out and they score three in the top of the first. You answer it with four right there. You don't wait till the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. No, yeah. and they've got to be thinking again. Are you seriously? kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean, even as pro athletes. Even as sound as you are mentally, as much as you say, hey, it's a nine-inning ball game, that kind of thing. Still, 
we go out and stick up three before they even pick up the sticks. They come back and score four. What? How how do you how do you compete with that? They didn't. And exactly, we got a different Enoa in 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 innings two. Before and three. he split his fingernail, and and David O'Brien with the Athletic twi- posts on Twitter. You know, it's just a split fingernail, no big deal. I'm like, clearly he didn't have a split a fingernail. Yeah, that's uh. I mean, maybe he meant long term. Yeah, um, it'll grow out. But yeah, that I mean that that's a big deal for a pitcher. For a pitcher, I mean, yeah. Uh, who was it that hurt himself zipping up a jacket the other day and and tore his thumb or something? <sighs> like it was a. It's amazing was how it uncoordinated athlete, uncoordinated athletes are. I'm telling you, it's just wild. But you know that that's the entire game was. We sit here and we talk about the top of the first inning, seven combined runs, six, 74 total pitches in the inning. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the game, there was one run scored. Well, two runs scored, I'm sorry, because the Braves ended up winning 5-4. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, the Braves didn't wait. They didn't have the late inning heroics offensively. Right. They, they, they did have some defensively. For they sure. did have a huge defensive play to help preserve the ball game, but I, three I, really, yeah. I mean, if if you're talking, you're talking Acuna's saving a hit with a diving play, and then asking where Marcelo Zuna is. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking Freddie Freeman catching a ball off the bag and getting Aguiar out at first base because he missed the bag. Right. Then you're talking Freddie again making a NFL football throw leading Dansby to the to third base and getting an out at third base in the ninth inning. Just it it what was so weird about this game and like I wrote in our show notes, weird game last night. It was it, it was the defense that really saved the game. Pitching and defense will win you a lot of ball games. Especially with an offense that's capable, sure, of of putting up a ton of runs every night. Didn't necessarily do it last night, but again, I just think that first inning answer set the tone for the rest of the game. Oh, there's no question. So now the Braves lead by four games in the National League East. The Phillies lost again last night, which means they're down six games now with six to play. So, <laughs> so we can clinch tonight. They could clinch a playoff spot tonight i think my bigger concern at this point and i think we talked a little bit about this yesterday is got to finish ahead of the cubs because if the braves and the cubs wind up tied then the cubs will get the number two spot in the playoff hierarchy braves fall to three um and then you well as it stands now would get the cardinals yeah in a three-game series I don't want any part of the Cardinals, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, not at all. Even with the – especially with, actually, with young pitchers Max Fried, Ian Anderson, and Kyle Wright, probably your three go-to guys. Isn't that something? And the playoff experience among those three is pretty much nil. Pretty much nil. And, and oh, yeah, Cole Hamels, 18 mil, one start. Three and a third. He threw six, what was it, 58 pitches? Something like. 
I mean, now obviously that eighteen million is prorated. He's not getting all of that, but still, just you know, that was the free agency splash that the Braves made over the along with Felix Hernandez. Well, Felix was going to be a non-roster guy anyway. He was a non-roster invitee to spring training, but but yeah, those were going to be hopefully two anchors to your starting rotation again. When you consider that the five guys that this team was supposed to have in their starting rotation to start the season, none of them are pitching right now. Here's the good thing is if those guys were there, we don't realize how good Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright are. Both of those guys have been absolutely fantastic. And and I kind of said all along, you know, you know, people were talking at the trade deadline about who are they going to go out and get. And my thing was, I don't really expect Anthopolis to go out and make a move during a season that could conceivably end tomorrow. That's right. Why? And then what? So and then and folks would have ripped him for that. But sure. But for the same reason that we've seen Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson, I am perplexed as to why we've not seen Christian Pache. It's even Drew Waters. But that being said, I understand you, you. there's got to be some kind of senior leadership in the locker room. And if that's what Ender's giving you, we don't know what's in the locker room. We don't know where they're at, if that makes sense. So anyway, one thing before we get to our top five on Tuesday. Last night in the broadcast, Tom Glavin, Chip Carey, they, they're talking about Braves fans are used to Long starting pitching and winning winning games that way. Paul Bird said, "If you have a a, a theory on how to win at the World Series every year, let him know." <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> the way the Braves have been trying to win World Series has not worked. Doesn't work very well. So maybe we try it this way. You got to try something different. I mean, even even when you were winning division championships, you still weren't winning what mattered. Yeah. It's tough there to, you go. It's tough to hear somebody actually give voice to. That hurts. <sighs> Man, it, it was a it was a brutal time growing up. I was so excited and then I would be heartbroken every year. Yeah. All, All right, JP. Yes. Can you give us a little bit of little tunes to to go on top 5 Tuesday? Top 5 Tuesday. Here we go. That's a good one. I like that one. Hey! Alright, today, our top 5 category. Top 5 sports movies. And this is one of my favorite categories because it's the hardest category for me. I have an entire DVD wall collection of sports movies. And I love them all. So, narrowing it down to 5, I couldn't do it. I had to give 5 honorable mentions. Kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? It, it, it really does. So well, just, just do, just a, top, a, just top do 10. a top ten, Chris. <laughs> we don't have time for a top ten. Anyway, uh, we're going to start off here. No, Maurice, do your top. Do your do honorable, honorable mentions. All right, I'll first. give you my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions are for Love of the Game, Hoosiers, Rudy, Murderball, and Rocky Three. All right, I am not a huge movie fan. I don't watch a whole lot of movies, and I'll probably watch less now than I ever did. But my number five, I've seen it one time. I thought it was really fascinating. Draft Day. Draft Day is a great movie. I actually, every Kevin time Costner, it comes right? on. Kevin Costner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every is, time it comes good. on. And Chadwick Boseman. Sneaky good. 
Yeah. Vontae Mack, no matter yeah. what. That's yeah. right. That's Vontae right. Mack, no matter what. That's a that's a great movie. You got one? Top five? Um, you got oh, a top five? I, I know what my number one for sure is, so that Ooh. I can definitively right. say. Uh, let's see. I'll go with uh, Caddyshack. Okay. Hey, that's that's okay. I know that's in my top five, and I know it's not three, two, or one. So <laughs> that's that's good enough. Yes. I, and that's that's a good movie. My top five: the original Longest Yard, which is Burt Reynolds' fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Okay, enjoyed it a lot. My number four, and um, maybe it's the parent in me. I don't know, but um, Hardball. Oh. That hurts. Mm-hmm. That that like generally every time I even think about G Baby, I want to cry. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I, know, I I know folks out there are just going, man, Keanu Reeves really, but G <laughs> Baby makes that movie. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, all right. JP, so what you, you got? You got anything? You got your four over there? Let me come back to me on this. Right. I'm, I'm still I'm still compiling got, this. He knows my he's got, he knows he's got one, two, and three. Got, yeah. So we'll we'll give him that. All right. I'm gonna stay football. And I'm going to stay with the original, but either one of these is okay. And it's Brian's song. Speaking of crying, mm-hmm. I made I made Sarah watch it a while back, and she was just she's over there, just like <laughs> 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 tough movie to watch. And no doubt, the original really was. It yeah. really is. Yeah. All right, JP, it's to you. All right, I think I think this is right. It's about the 1919 White Sox. It was at Eight Men Out. Eight Men mm-hmm. Out. I really like that. I like the historical factor of that one. Eight Men Out. I, I like history. I, I, I think well. from the historical standpoint of that one. Okay. All right, number three. Right, number three, stay in baseball. Billy D. Williams, the Bingo Long, Traveling All Stars, and Motor Kings. That's before your time. I, I have no idea what it. he's just talking about. I have it's, no it's idea. It's a barnstorming Negro League baseball team. You should check it out. That sounds fun. I will check it out. Actually. Billy D. Williams was in it. James Earl Jones was in it. Richard Pryor was in it. <laughs> wow. I'm wow. in. Wow. Yep. Check it out. Okay. All yeah. right. Number three. Number three, I got Hoosiers. Oh, that's a good one. That that's a good one. Yeah. I, I love the movie. It's a great movie. Solid. All right. Number three, I'm going to go baseball. And it's only be, only because of one particular scene. And you'll all know what I'm talking about when I say this, but it's Bull Durham. Yep. Yep. And it's the I Believe scene. <laughs> it's yep. a great scene. Okay. I can quote that whole movie, by the way. <laughs> it's a great movie. Including that particular scene. <laughs> all right. Number two. Kind of under the radar, but it's got some history historically based, I guess. Glory Road. That's the a story great. of the 1966 Texas. Texas Western basketball team. That almost made my, my, my honorable mentions. What you got? Two. Um, oh man, this is this is tough uh, finding this in short. I tell you what, can I? Can you come back to I me will. on this? Because I'm I'm sorry. I'm. Hey, it's I, okay. I, you told me yesterday that I, we were doing. I, I this. did, but it's okay. Yeah. All right. Number two for me, Spike. He got game, and that is one of the most impactful sports movies I've ever seen in my life. I love Spike Lee, but he got game just it hits different. Well, in, in any movie that you can have any sports movie that features an actual athlete isn't a bad thing. Always good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got number two? Thinking? Yep. Uh, you know, it's um, 
Rocky's certainly in there. Mm. Um, and I think Rocky 2 as opposed to 3. Although Rocky 4 kind of hit home to me in the age that it came you. out. Um, I must break you. Yeah. Rocky 4 is pretty good. Moneyball is pretty good. Woo! Yeah, that's... A- that's a very good y'all. I, I'm telling you, all of these movies I could I could put in the top five. I, of something. I'm going to have to put a tie there. I know that bumps me out of the top five, but I'm going to have to go with those two right there. That's okay. For, for my for my ten. two, Don't worry about yeah, it. that's right. I got so, top ten. So, but I still have my number one, definitive number one. There, there was no question. So, all right, all right number one, Mari's Pat. What you got? Please, no. Um, remember the Titans. That's Probably good. a little cliche ish, but, but it's a great movie. Yeah, and it's a Disney movie. There you go. And and you can't go wrong with Denzel. You really can't. JP. All right, what is the definitive number one, JP? No question, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Oh, well, there you go. Bull Durham. He said he can quote the whole thing. Yep. All right, well, here it is. Number one, I'm going to stay with you on the Disney theme, but I've got Kurt Russell and Miracle. You know what's crazy about that? In all of that, we only duplicated one movie. That's amazing. It's impressive. <laughs>